I'm Jack Soderman uh, with the Eagle Exchange Podcast, and I'm here with Mr. Lane, uh, who teaches Middle Eastern History here at the upper school. I took the class last year, and because you've all maybe seen some memes, something on social media about Iran and the U.S., we thought we'd sit down and have a conversation about what's going on and mainly the historical significance of the U.S. and Iran. So without further ado, we're just going to jump into that. Mr. Lane, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jack. I appreciate it. I think we ought to start out with talking about that the U.S. and an Iranian relationship really is something that began more in the post-World War II era. Definitely. So after 1945, Mm -hmm. and that has been filled with hostility and trust since about the 1950s. Specifically, a lot of Iranians look at the overthrow of their uh, existing government, their freely elected prime minister in 1953 as kind of a start point of the hostilities. Others, of course, look at the 1979 overthrow of the Shah of Iran by the Ayatollah Khomeini, and then specifically for United States uh, uh, citizens, the taking of the 52 hostages for 444 days as really the beginning of this intense hostility between the United States and the Republic of Iran. Definitely. Okay, well, just to clarify something, you said uh, trust, you meant mistrust? Mistrust, yes. correct. Okay, don't want to confuse anyone. But, correct. Um, yeah, and going back to that, I remember, especially from the class, uh, there's a legacy even before we got there that we are now dealing with of Britain, Russia especially, but white Western European powers that are trying to impose control over Iran before World War II. And right. We're, and we're dealing with, with kind of the, the legacy of that in right. addition to what we are directly responsible right. for. Right. And with, with uh, Russia, later the Soviet Union, and Britain before World War II, it was really all about oil. Yeah. And post-World War II is not only about oil, mm-hmm. but it was also about this idea, especially that began in the 1950s of the Cold War, and of we have to be the, you know, we have to surround the Soviet Union and ran borders right with the Soviet Union. So we were uh, supporting any sort of regime that was anti-Soviet. Yes, definitely. So that was a big part of us. That was a big part of the uh, support of the Shah, right? Right. Yes. All right. And then going into more of the, uh, I guess, the recent few decades, starting with like the Gulf War. The first Gulf War, they were on our side, right? Well, the Iranians in the first Gulf War in the 90s were, uh, in, the, in the 90s, 90-91, kind of stepped back and let things happen mm-hmm. because they saw the invasion of, of Kuwait by the Iraqis, Saddam Hussein was yes. their dictator at the time, as clearly a violation of international law. Mm-hmm. And so they allowed us, they didn't cause any interference, but more recently, uh, after 9-11, the Iranians actually cooperated very closely with us in targeting the Taliban in Afghanistan, and even more recently in, than that, uh, since uh, about 2015, the Iranian military has been working closely with our military in both Iraq and in, uh, um, in uh, Syria, working against ISIL. Which is obviously a good thing, but that's... I think that's something that we talked about that was super interesting to me is that Iran and the U.S., while we started out with a very rocky relationship, in the past couple of decades, it had been trending towards the positive, yes? Yes, it is. Unfortunately, you know, we don't have formal diplomatic relations, mm-hmm. so all of this has had to occur between third parties, and that, of course, breeds 
some more mistrust because when you have a third party telling you it's you know the game will go around the room and, and hear the sentence and how it gets convoluted. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chaplain K and us, uh, our religion class and exercise like that. Yeah, yeah, it's a crazy to see. But yeah. more more specifically, the, the Middle East. What do you think? I suppose the 1900s for the Middle East and the West, but specifically the U.S. It was it was a time of, as you said, mistrust, confusion, war, but very little diplomacy. And now, in the 2000s, I think, especially with maybe the 90s with the Gulf War, we're trending towards, or we're trying to get towards diplomacy, right? Well, yes, and I would point out that uh, during the late uh, George W. Bush administration mm-hmm. and during uh, President Obama's administration, we moved very uh, uh, deliberately with the Iranians toward recognizing that they are a signatory of the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, and they have the right to develop peaceful uses of nuclear power, but we wanted to work with them and our European allies at developing some sort of, of, of guarantees that they wouldn't develop nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. Their leadership at the time, President Romani, uh, who was elected in 2013, on a platform of I want to build closer relationships with the Europeans and Americans, it was key in developing the treaty that was uh, between uh, the um, European powers, the United States and Iran, that allowed for inspectors to go in and the Iranians accepting limitations that they would not uh, develop uh, nuclear uh, weapons-capable material. Mm -hmm. Which is obviously very different, just to clarify, from... Power, nuclear power and nuclear weapons, they run on very different... Right, very different, and it's the purity of the material. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nuclear material for a nuclear weapon has to be somewhere above 90% Roger. pure is where to run a local nuclear reactor, you're talking about 3 to 5% mm-hmm. uh, u- uh, pure uranium, in the, and the reactor runs fine. And that's a massive leap. That's not something you can just put it in for an extra 20 minutes and have it come out 90% here. Correct. You really, you know, the refinement process and the spinning it down to refine it mm-hmm. is, is pretty intense. And you'll, you, some of you might know that uh, uh, we actually worked, uh, or at least we've been accused of working with other governments to put a virus into their computer that was running their... Uh, their uh, spinners yeah. that were purifying the uranium, and we put them out of business once we found out. So, wow. you know, that's another one of those tensions Definitely. to where Definitely. indirectly, you know, we've interfered with some of their development. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you know, as a result of uh, in this agreement where they promised they wouldn't develop nuclear materials or nuclear weapons, is when we begin to back off of some of the sanctions that have been laid on. Uh, uh, the Iranians. But Mm -hmm. then after the election of uh, President Trump, uh, it seems that his idea is that the the Iranians couldn't be trusted with this, Mm -hmm. and he began to move to try to dismantle that treaty. In fact, in May of of, uh, 2019, he announced that he was going to formally withdraw from that treaty. I think it was 2009. Maybe been 2018. I think I heard about it I think it was 2018, but the years are blurring together at this point. And we'd have to go back and fact check, and that'd be easy to do. I mean, that's certainly, that did happen. The year is of somewhat little importance. But I think, if I can go back for a second and talk about the election of the current president, that was, and you said he was elected on a platform of diplomatic relations with the U.S.? 
Yes, he was. And improving was diplomatic relations, mm -hmm. not only with the United States, but also uh, with the European community. Which, yeah. Very, very important to them because, mm -hmm. you know, that's where the sale of Iranian oil yeah. can really take mm -hmm. place is with the European community. Mm -hmm. And that's that was a, at least a somewhat democratic election. That did reflect the will of the people. Yes. And remember, President Carter was one of the observers at that election, and he oh. was profound. Uh, his statements talked about how from his perspective, how democratic the election was. So then we can definitely see in a number of different forms that the Iranian people do want to be friendly with you. They don't want war. They don't want anything. It remote. depends on which Iranian people you're talking about, <laughs> you know, and, and that can vary by day to day. Mm -hmm. In this most recent incident where uh, the president authorized the use of an unmanned aerial vehicle drone strike uh, to eliminate... Uh, the Iranian general who happened to be in Baghdad that was the head of their special operations group. Some people will call that a terrorist organization. Some people will not. Mm -hmm. But, you know, his official title was he was the head of their special operations command. And that's one of the issues right now. And mm -hmm. it caused the Iranian people to say, you know, what are you doing killing one of our, our leaders? Totally. Okay. It also caused the Iraqi people, at least publicly, or the Iraqi parliament, to say, mm -hmm. You know, you've invaded our sovereignty, yeah. right? And so that became a real issue. Then by the same token, here the Iranian government has admitted that by mistake they shot down the uh, Ukrainian uh, civilian airliner, mm -hmm. and the Iranian people are in the streets right now protesting against their own government. Mm -hmm. So what are we seeing in both those situations? We're seeing the Iranian people act as if they were independent of some control of their government. I think going back to something you said earlier about the unmanned strike. Right. That's certainly, it's certainly significant that that was not a, not a manned strike, yes? Well, yeah, yeah I mean, and, and what you have to think is this is a way that the president is not risking American lives directly uh, by sending in, you know, like a special operations team to capture this guy or having the Air Force or the Navy use some sort of, uh, you know, manned aircraft to go in and conduct this strike, uh, uh, the technology on our unmanned aerial vehicles and their ability for those platforms to hold uh, missiles uh, and uh, to, with brilliant munitions that can accurately target things is, is mm -hmm. profound uh, compared to what you know, it was 20 years ago. So the use of that and the lower risk to American lives by doing that is, of course, uh, a plus side. Uh, but the back side of that is when we've done some of these strikes before, not only in the Trump administration, but the Obama administration and in the Bush administration, it's, it's met with some uh, different results in that there's been uh, the killing of innocent uh, civilians. So it's a balancing act, mm -hmm. and that's part of what U.S. national security policy has to be is a balancing act. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not going to say that President Trump made the wrong decision. I'm not going to say he made the right decision. Mm -hmm. It was an opportunity that presented itself. We're going to have to see how it plays out. Uh, right now, I think that uh, we've been fortunate that uh, the Iranian people are pushed in another direction with the downing of that uh, uh, Ukrainian 
uh, airliner, but you know we're still uh, in conflict with uh, Iranian-supported factions uh, in Yemen and in Syria uh, and in, in Iraq. Uh, that, that you know the Iranians support those factions is where we're backing you know U.S.-supported factions. So you know we need I think stepping back a little bit, and that's the words that I did hear. Uh, from President Trump that I was happy about is let's step back. Let's step back and let things cool down for a little bit and then re-engage. Now, if this leads to further diplomatic talks, then Then it may be a significant move in the right direction. But once again, we can't predict that. We're going to have to see it. I remember you talking about in the class, uh, Middle Eastern history, that since this is such an since this is such a developing issue right now as we speak, it's not something that historians can adequately describe or talk about from all sides because the archives haven't been opened up. I think right. You well, you know, we we don't have access to the information that you know even <clears throat> leaders of Congress have been uh, given, and I think what we have to remember is what are the goals and objectives of of the Iranians? What do they want? And what do we want? Okay, mm-hmm. the Iranians want security. We want, want security. Security, mm-hmm. right? Maybe that's a start point. All right. Thank you very much. Um, that's been me and Mr. Lane having a discussion about Iran. If you have any more questions for Mr. Lane, he is the um, the security director on staff here, so he's bouncing around from place to place all day. But you can email him at John at woodward.edu or if you're a uh, a junior or sophomore or freshman you could wait a year or two and take his class Middle Eastern History thank you so much for being here thank you